Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr. And today I bring you the second half of my interview with Tim Ferriss. Ever since I finished my career as a Division I All-American athlete, I longed for not only the clarity of purpose that I had as an athlete, but also the accountability that comes with aspiring for big goals with a team of like-minded people. Then I discovered mastermind groups. Masterminds are small groups of like-minded people who get together either in person or over Skype or just over the phone to provide support, feedback, and advice to other members of the group. So I dove in and I learned all I could about mastermind groups, and then I finally launched my own. And the change was instant. I regained the accountability of being part of a group of like-minded, hardworking individuals who hold me to a higher standard. My mastermind group helps me get feedback and advice and even validation when I'm making big, big decisions in my life. And I have clarity and focus and accountability again, just like when I was an athlete. I've now facilitated dozens of high performers in mastermind groups. I'm talking Olympians and MBAs and neurosurgeons and professional athletes and and entrepreneurs and lots of others. I've taken everything you need to know to start your own mastermind group and I put it into a short 10-page ebook titled The Quick and Easy Guide to Starting Your Own Mastermind Group in 30 Days or Less. Grab a copy of this free ebook by going to jimharshawjr.com slash mastermind. That's jimharshawjr.com slash mastermind. As I said in the last intro, in the last episode, if you haven't heard of Tim Ferriss, you must have been living under a rock uh, because Tim is the author of the of five New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers, number one New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestsellers. Not top 10 list, but all five hit number one. Uh, books like The 4-Hour Workweek and Tools of Titans. Uh, he's also the host of The Tim Ferriss Show, which is the first business and interview podcast to exceed 100 million downloads. It's now over 400 million downloads. He's interviewed some of the most amazing people on the planet, and he's distilled all of that information down into these habits and routines and, and experiments that he does on himself. And I really get the best stuff out of Tim, I believe, in these episodes in this this interview that I've broken into two parts. So if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to part one. And in that episode at the end, I, I really break down everything that he shared into concrete, actionable bits for you. And I do the same thing. I have those waiting for you at the end of this episode as well. So without further ado, my second half, the second half of the interview with Tim Ferriss. And so I want to follow the the line of thought here around questions because this idea of the post-game analysis, the after-action report. Um, you know, Tony Robbins says the, the quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of the questions that you ask yourself. And, and I know that you ask yourself a lot of questions and, and this really dictates your thinking and, you know, whether it's fear setting or, you know, like you and I talked about before the show, Peter Thiel, you know, how could you achieve your 10-year goals in six months? Like, what are the things you could do to achieve your 10-year goals in six months? And just even the, the subtle rephrasing of the question that we just talked about a minute ago, like, are there other questions that you ask yourself? So, for example, like, you know, having interviewed hundreds of people for the podcast here, these world-class performers and, you know, a handful of guests that we've interviewed in common. And what I find is that, you know, their success is never based on or rarely based on doing the thing that they are well known for. It's always some version of hitting the pause button. And I've given it a definition. I call it the productive pause. And I've coined that phrase in the, in the definition is it's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action 
and peace of mind. And I find a lot of clarity of action and peace of mind when I listen to you talk about some of these questions. Are there other questions that that you use or have used in the past that allow you to cut through that psychological red tape to help you make decisions? Definitely. And before I answer that, I will answer that, but I want to return to the optimal routine or optimal performance through routine point I made earlier, which is that I need routine just to get to normal first. That's the reason for routine for me. And similarly, I should just as an example say that I almost never have journalists shadow me for a period of time. I get a lot of requests from writers, uh, some very good writers who I respect a lot, who want to say, track me for a day or two and record what I do and tell the story. And I, at least in the last 10 years, have not, have not really done much of that. It might be an afternoon, but never a day or two. And that's because if, if people listening to this, or if you were to look at what I do on a daily basis, you would think to yourself, most of the time, how does this guy get anything done? <laughs> because I'm puttering around, I'm making tea, I'm coming up with excuses not to do what I should be doing. I'm taking the dog for a walk when the dog's already had three walks. I'm doing all of these things that would, uh, well, they don't just look like procrastinating, they are procrastinating. And a lot of the time, I will seem and am very unfocused. So the, the moral of the story is that it's not about being optimally efficient for me because that's an impossible uh, finish line. It's about choosing the right targets and asking the right questions so that you can still have tremendous, produce tremendous success and outsized returns, even if you only get a few things right. Does that make sense? Because it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it does. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you make. And this is obviously super simple, simplified, but you can make a lot of mistakes. You can get a lot of the day wrong as long as, say, through 80-20 analysis, which it sounds like you've covered a lot on the show before, you're choosing even for 60 minutes or 30 minutes of your day, you are focused on something that is very high leverage. So, And what is that to you? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, so the questions that can help with that are things like, and this might sound unconnected, but what might this look like if it were easy, right? So if you're if you're trying to come up with an answer, what might this look like if it were easy? And then journaling on it. It's not enough to think about it. You got You have to put pen to paper or type this out. I like handwriting personally. Like, what might this look like if if it were easy? And this could be anything. But you know, you mentioned Tony Robbins. I mean, another expression of his is uh, complexity is the enemy of ex- of execution. And I think that that's true all over the place. Whether it's relationships, whether it's investing, whether it's parenting, whether it's coaching, sports, like complexity is very often the enemy of execution. So what might this, writing a book, what might this, looking at my finances, what might this, fill in the blank, look like if it were easy? That's one. Another is, what do I find easier to do than my friends? Like, what, What do my friends consider me good at that I find easy 
that they find more difficult. Right. All right. Other questions are really the in a lot of my questions are seemingly absurd, right? But if if for instance, and and I want to stop yeah. for just a second, Tim, like for the for listener, like take those in. I mean, as always, I'll have these in the action plan. You can go to jimharshawjr.com slash action, download these. They'll be right there. You can print them out, save them, whatever. But like digest just any one of those questions. I mean, really stop, productive pause, stop, answer that question. If you're driving or on the treadmill right now, like answer that out loud for yourself, right? Speak it out loud or as soon as you get back to your desk or somewhere where you can write, like write out the answer to that around Pick anything, like any, any channel, like, like Tim said, you know, any, you know, whether it's finances, relationships, health, whatever it is, like digest those. But sorry, go ahead, Tim, if you have yeah, more to add there. No, I was, I was going to add an emphasis on absurd questions. And the purpose of the absurd questions, much like the Peter Thiel, you know, why can't you accomplish your 10-year goals in the next six months or any variant of that, is that it, it productively shatters your current process for answering questions. You need to sort of break the boundaries of your brainstorming to even attempt to answer a question like that. And similarly, I'll ask questions. I I almost never ask a question like, how can I increase podcast revenue 10%? That is not a question that I will ever ask generally. the, The question that I will ask, even if it ends up producing 10% additional revenue is how can I, how, if I had to gun against the head, come up with a list of options for 10 Xing the revenue of the podcast, 10 X, not 10%, 10 Xing the revenue of this podcast this year. What might that look like? Yeah. It, it brings you different to different places and to different answers and suggestions and ideas than, than the 10% yeah. question. And, and it doesn't have to be financial. The financial is just easy to use as an example because it includes a measurable. And But it, it could be something like, how could I... So I, what I would consider a, an unhelpful question is, how can I stress less about money? Right. That's, that's not... It's not inspiring. It's not... It's not sharp enough, in a sense, for me at least to get a mental foothold into. So I might ask something like, "How could I, if I had to?" Again, this is this is not a nice to have. Like, if you had to, gun against the head, you have to decrease your financial worries ninety percent. And I, I realize this is this is going to be a sensitive question and example because there are people, including family members of mine who have been laid off from service jobs that are in very difficult positions, right? So I, I'm not trying to trivialize these difficulties, but it's, it's even if you are in a very difficult set of circumstances, these types of exercises in writing, using these questions as prompts, can bring up ideas that would never otherwise occur to you as options, right? So if you had if you had to gun against the head, decrease your financial worries ninety percent, what might you do? And the answers could be like I'm not giving financial advice, I'm not a registered investment advisor, none of that, but in my case, right, it could be like I'm gonna sell everything, even at a even at a depressed price and go completely to cash. Right. Now I'm not gonna do that because I think it's a bad idea for a bunch of reasons, but that could be one that I put on the list. Okay. Another one could be, right. And okay. 90%. If I ask that question, okay, I I need to decrease my financial worry 90%. Well, which asset classes are giving me the most kind of headache per dollar, (laughs) 
right? Or difficulty of sleeping per dollar, right? And let's just say hypothetically that's real estate. Okay, well, maybe I make a loss on the real estate and then guess what? I already brainstormed this. What if I had to 10X my podcast revenue? I can make up those losses via the podcast. Let me cut those assets, right? Or let me figure out a way to call my bank and renegotiate the mortgages. Can I do that? I don't know. Okay, but that's an idea that came about because I asked the question, how can I decrease my worries 90%? If you're in a position where you're unemployed, okay, well, would starting a business on, I already mentioned one of these companies, you know, Shopify or WooCommerce or something like that, would that provide me with some optimism to offset that 90%, even if it doesn't turn out successful? Would reaching out to friends of mine and asking them, even if I don't need the money now, would you be willing to help me for a period of time, three to six months as a group of 10, 20 people, would that make you feel better just to have asked, right? So that you hopefully get some positive feedback or to create a GoFundMe page that might provide you with, with some help or applying to a small business, you know, SBA loan or fill in the blank, right? You will come up with a different list based on that question than you would if you ask something more general, like how can I make myself feel better? How can I worry less about finances? Make it ambitious. And that ambition, in my experience, just produces a better list of options that you will brainstorm from which you will find better action, possible action steps. Tim, is this, is this why you've been able to create such outsized results? Because there's people listening right now who say, well, I have these morning routines and I also like to procrastinate and you know, walk my dog for a third time and then go get another cup of coffee and then check email for a while, right? I mean, is this, is this why you've been able to create outsized results? If you were able to boil it down to, well, I guess sort of two questions here. Number one, like one habit, like if, is there one habit that you do or have done that you would most credit with your success? And number two, is there also a mindset and a belief that goes along with this? Because, because there's a lot of folks, like I said, doing the, they got the morning routines, they, they, they also procrastinate, but, but they're, they're not seeing results. Yeah. Yeah. The morning routines and all that stuff is just scaffolding. That's not the project, right? That's, that's what supports building whatever you're building, but it's just safety net for me of sorts, right? It doesn't, uh, routines, at least uh, a lot of the routines we've discussed do not help you pick targets, right? So I, I suppose if I had to pick a routine or a habit that helps me to do that, it's asking seemingly ridiculous questions, right? Whether it's in, in business, finance, friendship, uh, I have ver- I ask questions that reflect would reflect a level of ambition or delusion that would make me seem ridiculous to say uh, friends of mine from 20 years ago right or less so my friends now because i've surrounded myself with people who do the same thing but so i'd say there are a few things that come to mind the first is asking these absurd questions and um I have a blog post that maybe you could put in the show notes, something like 11 questions that changed my life or 17 questions that changed my life, which lists out a number of these questions that I use regularly. Like, am I hunting 
antelope or field mice, right, is one which uh, which we we can get into later. But a lot of it boils down to eighty twenty principle. I would read, uh, you know, Richard Koch K O C H. 80-20 principle. He has a number of these books. You can kind of pick whichever one appeals to you. But I would read that. I would uh, then emphasize that I think my results have come from routines that keep me from flaming out or self-destructing, so, which is a lot of what I've described. Then asking absurd questions, running tests, and looking at 80-20 analysis routinely. Uh, using this exercise called fear setting to try to ensure that I am not paralyzed by unfounded fears. Some fears will be well-founded, but a lot of them will not be. So fear setting, people can find that at tim.blog forward slash TED. And they'll also see the TED talk that talks about the college brush with suicide if they'd like to see that. And uh, one, one more habit that it's really a collection of habits that I'd like to mention. And that is number one, assuming that you're the average of the five people you associate with most and that you will financially, emotionally, in terms of asking questions, you're the average of the five people you associate with most. And so you, you really want to proactively try to develop relationships with people who will make you better and people who you can make better. Uh, and uh, so it's very helpful then to have complementary skills, but not exactly the same skills. One of the, and one habit that I get into that, that I engage in, which is, which is a question really, or a request that I see commonly across a lot of my friends who are very, very high performers is they, they consistently ask their smart friends to tear apart their ideas. So for instance, one of my friends, very successful in many domains, many, many domains as an operator, as a business builder, as an investor, as a husband and so on. But in the investing world, just because it's, it's the easiest one to use with numbers and a scoreboard, he hired someone full-time to help him manage investments. And every time this friend has an investment idea, Let's say he wants to buy Amazon, just making it up. I mean, I happen to be an investor in Amazon as a disclosure, but it's, it's, let's just say he picks Amazon. He will ask the person he hired to come up with every reason why he should not buy Amazon. Like, I want you to talk me out of everything that I want to buy. <laughs> and if I want to sell something, I want you to t- try to talk me out of it. So he's actively trying to solicit disconfirming evidence. And trying to truly get to both sides of the story. Yeah, exactly. And uh, to always look at the opposite side, right? So if if someone gives you five reasons why you should buy X, then he would ask, okay, well, once you buy it, what are the five reasons you would sell it? And if someone can't answer the second question, it should lead you to question perhaps the how well thought through the first set of, of recommendations are, right? And so I will oftentimes, whether it's in a personal relationship, let's just say I'm, I'm thinking of how to improve my relationship with my girlfriend, or I'm thinking about anything, right? It could be improving my, my relationship with my dog or dog training or investing or whatever. If I, if I have an idea that I think is a good idea, one of the first things I will do is call one of my friends, I think, 
uh, is not necessarily a domain expert, but someone who is really a part, a key part of our friendship is that we can speak blunt truth to each other. And that is so valuable in a world of kind of glad, glad handing and political correctness. Somebody who can just be like, that's a terrible idea. And let me tell you six reasons why to, uh, I will go to them and I will give them the idea and say, I, I want you to pick that apart. Like, please try to dismantle that and pick it apart. Like I want to know where that could be wrong. I want to know how that could backfire. Uh, that's another habit I would say that has become increasingly, increasingly valuable. And la- last but not least, like how have I succeeded? A lot of it's luck. Like, I mean, there is a lot of timing involved with this, but I'm always looking for asymmetric bets. Asymmetric bets means whether it's the, the first sports nutrition company that I started, whether it's with say the, the writing of the first book, the startup investing. I'm looking for investments, bets. Investments, by the way, also apply to your time. It's not just money we're talking about, right? If, 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 If you're a human, you are an investor. You are deciding how to allocate your resources, including time. So whether you like it or not, you're an investor. And I'm looking for bets that have a very limited downside. I can understand the downside and cap the downside, right? Um, I understand that really well. And there are ways that I can cap it, such as with the two-year real-world MBA that I created with the sort of 120K over two years with the Tim Ferriss funds. Like max downside financially, 120K. I know, exactly. Right. It's defined. It's defined. But the max upside could be 10X, 100X, 1,000X. And those numbers don't have to be that big. But uh, I'm constantly thinking about asymmetric returns and a few resources that I think are helpful for that. You mentioned Tony Robbins. I think his book on money, Master the Game, has some good examples of that. I think More Money Than God, which is a book about hedge funds, although I would generally warn people away from investing in hedge funds, that that world has become very, very different since that book was written. But nonetheless, gives you a good example of asymmetric bets and how to think about asymmetric bets, Uh, not just in the stock market, which I think can be very risky, not just in finances, but all over the place. Right? Like, what are the little things you could do that are, in fact, uh, have the possibility of a big impact? And if we look at, say, a relationship, it doesn't. It's not like the big, gigantic conversations that make the difference. It can be something really small. It's like, okay, I'm going to commit to like writing a a really loving note on a post-it note. Uh, at least once a week and like putting it on the mirror that I know my partner is going to see, right? It's, it's, that is an asymmetric bet, <laughs> right? Uh, so that, if, if a lot of upside to that, very little, little downside. Yeah. So if I, if I had to try to parse out the things that seem to have worked for me, those are, those are a few that come to mind. And I am, I am wrong more often than I'm right. I mean, I, I do think that I make a lot of mistakes I overspend, I screw things up, I, I piss off my girlfriend. <laughs> I do all sorts of things that are the opposite of optimal. But because I ask these absurd questions, which help you to find asymmetric bets on a routine basis, and I journal, don't just think about it, and I journal on these things, I can make better decisions, right? So for instance, and then, uh, you know, I know we're running, we're running up on time, but uh, just as an example, and 
this is top of mind for me. So I apologize if, if this, to everybody listening, if this seems one dimensional, but it's not because the financial examples I'm giving, as I described earlier, really bleed over into a lot of other areas. So one of the one of the reasons, and I was journaling in morning pages yesterday, and I realized part of the reason I'm feeling a lot of stress around finances is I feel I need to make decisions now. I feel like there's so much flux. I spotted, I mean, coronavirus I've been tracking since January. I have have really, up until at least two or three weeks ago, was, was able to predict things very accurately. So given all that, I've, I've been feeling tremendous time pressure to act, but I've been reading to try to offset that in some respect. So like Warren Buffett, don't just, don't just do something, stand there. Uh, <laughs> although it's very, very simplified, but I, so I was asking in the journaling process, all of these questions and they weren't quite right. I could see how these questions were going to produce garbage answers, like garbage in garbage out. So if you ask yourself, what the fuck is pardon my French, like what the hell is wrong with me? I'm not sure if this is family programming or not. Sorry, but That's uh, all right. uh, like what, if I, if I ask myself, what the hell is wrong with me? Your brain is a meaning making machine. It's going to give you answers, right? If you ask, why didn't I do X? You're going to come up with 10 reasons you should whip yourself. And I was, I was producing those types of questions and I recognized that those were going to be really unhelpful. And then one of the questions I came up with was, what types of opportunities might I be able to find if I'm forced to wait a month or two months before making any, taking any action? And just that alone, there are going to be options. This is not, uh, this is not a short-term experience from an economic perspective that we're going through right now. There are going to be opportunities later. And in my case, I asked, what might opportunities look for look like that I can that I can wait for for a month or two that I have unique access to, right? And that's not going to apply to everyone listening to this. But if you've gone through the thought process of asking yourself, what do I find easier than my friends? What do my friends say I do well that surprises me? And when you start to ask these questions early on, and you're looking at asymmetric bets, and you're figuring out what you are not only good at, but have greater endurance for because you find them easier to do. Over time, as you look at the world through these lenses, you're going to get to the point where you have unique perspective, unique ability, unique endurance, unique fill in the blank, or I should say unique enough in those categories that over time, viewing the world through the eyes of a scientist, a, aka there is no such thing as a failed experiment. As long as you design it properly, you look at the results and you learn from it. Like failure is feedback, right? It's all feedback. So you come up with low cost, fast, you know, limited duration experiments, asymmetric bets. So you're never betting the farm on anything. I, I, I find that eventually luck will be on your side. And I'm sure that's a simplistic way of viewing the world, but that's, that's how it's worked for you know, dozens of my friends who I've, I've seen friends go from making you know, $100,000 or less a year to being billionaires. I've seen multiple friends of mine do that. And there's a tremendous amount of luck involved that I don't think being a billionaire is necessarily a laudable goal. But, and uh, most of them got there not having that as a goal. But 
they seem to have approached it in a very similar way. So those those are those are my best attempts at at a few few ideas at least. Yeah. Tim, you have given us the goal right there. I mean, really how to have outsized results, really, which is what we're all looking to do, right? And to have better results in anything, right? Whether it's our work, whether it's our relationships, whether it's our, our health and our fitness, our time spent with our kids or, or whatever it is, um, that's concrete, actionable stuff that we can do. So Tim, thank you so much. You're very welcome. And uh, last but not least, I should also say, I know uh, centimillionaires, people who have hundreds of millions of dollars who are completely miserable. So uh, lest you believe that that all of that is going to f- fix all of your problems, pick up a book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, B-R-A-C-H also, and uh, consider giving that a gander. There's another one called Already Free by Bruce Tift, T-I-F-T, which I find exceptional. So you could look at both of those um, and consider them as an adjunct to whatever professional pursuits you might uh, you might go after but uh, excellent yeah and for the listener as always I'll have those in in the action plan wonderful thanks for the time Tim thank you so much for your time and for the listener uh, well Tim why don't you tell the listener for for anybody who's hiding under a rock out there where they can find you follow you uh, get your five bullet Friday emails etc yeah I you can find everything at tim.blog I have uh, put up probably close to a thousand blog posts over the years and they're you can find them sort of by topic so language learning investing whatever you want uh the podcast has about 500 it's close to 500 million downloads now and focuses on routines habits tools that high performers use that that can be found at tim.blog forward slash podcast and if people want one to start with i'd suggest they listen to derek sivers uh, his is hilarious. So Derek Sivers, S-I-V-E-R-S. So if you just go to Tim.blog Forces podcast and search Sivers, you'll find some really fun stuff. And then the newsletter. Yeah, I send out a newsletter every Friday. It's the five most interesting, fascinating, or useful things that week that I've found. Often they are things I'm listening to, things I'm reading, gadgets, gizmos, supplements, hacks, well, as much as I tend to dislike that word these days, but sort of clever workarounds. Uh, anything that I have found that has really caught my attention that week, I put in this free newsletter. It goes out to uh, between one and two million people every Friday, and it's been going for years now. I love it, and you can you Very can good. sign up for that for free at tim.blog forward slash Friday. Excellent, Tim. Thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Yeah, my pleasure, man. And for the listeners, as always, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. Wow. I hope you enjoyed part two of my interview with Tim Ferriss as much as I did. This really, when you zoom out, this is a lesson in how to do effective productive pauses on steroids, right? Um, He talks so much about the questions that he asks. And listen, he doesn't just ask the question. He doesn't just like, you know, listen to a podcast like this, for example, and, and think about it and ponder it. He actually writes them out. He does the journaling. There's so much power 
in sitting down and putting pen to paper or fingers to keyboard, however you can get those thoughts out of your head and into the real world will help you sort through those and, and figure out what is the best action to take. You know, what is the asymmetric bet that I can make? What is the short duration, low cost experiment that I can do that will leverage my results? This is all about leveraging your time, leveraging your money. You know, can this work? No, no, no. Ask how can I make this work? Um, and he, he talks about how he's, he's unfocused and procrastinates, right? He's unfocused and procrastinates. Does that sound anything like you? Probably at some points, right? We all procrastinate. We all feel unfocused at times. Guess what? Tim Ferriss does too. This guy gets outsized results, but he just revealed to you how he gets those outsized results. I've never been so convinced in my life, and I've always been convinced ever since I discovered the productive pause. I've never been so convinced that this is the secret to success. He said it's not about being optimally efficient. It's about choosing the right targets, choosing high leverage questions, absurd questions that cut through the psychological red tape. They simplify things. He said, complexity is the enemy of of execution. That's a uh, Tony Robbins quote. And he says he asks questions that are seemingly ridiculous. And they don't seem so ridiculous now because I surround myself with people who ask the same things. Like Elon Musk, Richard Branson. How do you think these people get these outsized results? They're They're not asking the same questions as the average person. And Tim shares these, you know, he talks about a few of these 17 questions. He refers to this blog post. He says, either 11 questions or 17. It's 17 questions. I have it in the action plan. It's waiting for you right now. Go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. There's a link to that blog post as well as uh, the TEDx or the TED talk he gave on, on fear setting. Um, he also did a, a blog post on that. I'll include the fear setting blog post or article from Tim's website there in the action plan, as well as a recent podcast episode on the Tim Ferriss show where he talks about fear setting. We'll have the links. I, I'm asking Leka to actually put all those links into the action pl- plan for you. So you can just download that and have all this stuff at your fingertips. It's a PDF. You you can save it, put it on your desktop, save it to your phone, whatever, and, and you'll have these these tactics and, and these these resources for for getting these outsized results and and getting you know taking these asymmetric bets, right? And he he even said he said I'm wrong more than I'm right. I do all sorts of things that are the opposite of optimal, but because I ask absurd questions that help me make asymmetric bets, I can make better decisions. What else do you need to know? That's it. With that, I'm going to wrap this up and, and encourage you to definitely download that action plan, jimharshawjr.com slash action. Uh, I also ask you, if you enjoyed these two episodes, the, the first and second part, 246 and 247, give them a share with a friend. Or if you've seen this on social media, give it a retweet, give it a share. Even if you you give it a like, it boosts it so that other people, more people will see it. If you see it on Facebook or Twitter or, or, link, or uh, LinkedIn or Instagram, um, those platforms, uh, the more there are comments on it, the more there are likes, uh, the more they will see that as an important piece of content and they will show it to more people. So if you could give me that little bit of help, I would be endlessly, endlessly grateful. Thank you for just tuning in and listening. I hope that this brings you a ton of value in your life. As always, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success.